0: For months we've been studying what the Bible has to say about the kingdom. We have looked in the Old Testament and the New, in the Gospels and in the book of the Revelation. We've walked with the apostles to the Mount of Olives where Jesus gave them the Great Commission and then rose, ascended into heaven. We heard the last words of Jesus to his disciples from Acts chapter one, where Luke wrote, when they came together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now when when he had spoken these things, while they watched, Jesus was taken up. He flew up into the sky. A cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Those are angels who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. He's coming again. Those words from the angels became the great hope of the early Christians who were tortured and murdered for their faith in the returning Christ. The early Christians greeted one another with Maranatha, which is Aramaic, for Lord, come. It's a prayer. Speaking of the first century church, Elwood McQuaid said God chose to implant the pulsing Maranatha hope into the anatomy of his church. From the moment of Jesus' departure from the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem, Maranatha, our Lord, come became the watchword of the church. It was their greeting and parting word of hope. Perhaps he would come for them today. We don't hear that greeting much anymore, do we? Maranatha, possibly because we don't really expect Jesus to return. We might say we do, but because it has already been... Uh, nearly or over two nearly two thousand years the church perhaps has stopped looking for the return of jesus but as we have seen from our studies in the word everything is in place now for the rapture of the church and after seven years of great tribulation the the revelation of christ and his kingdom will come fathers on this special day the day that you are honored Let me ask you something. Are you honoring your Heavenly Father, your good, good Father, in all the things that you say and do? You you are, people around you in your family are watching you. Is your family who knows you best able to follow you to Jesus? Jesus is coming, and we need to do everything we can to help our children. Our families, our friends, our world get ready to meet him because let's face it, he is, he is the father we all need. And that's what we're going to see today, his coming. From Revelation 18 and 19, as we continue our message, Praise So Grow, Kingdom Revelation, would you bow with me and have your Bibles ready? We are going to look through these scriptures and see the truth of God. And would you allow the Holy Spirit... To speak something to your heart. Let's pray. Father, as we today pray, so grow. We are sowing kingdom seeds even now as I preach this message. We are sowing kingdom seeds and we don't know how many thousands of people will hear it. But Father in heaven, would you plant it in the heart of someone who desperately needs it? Would that someone, Lord, who is on the wrong path would turn and be on the right path? It might be someone in this place. It might be a father, a dad, a man, a woman in this place that's on the wrong path, and they need your path. They need to follow Jesus. I pray, God, would your Holy Spirit teach us what we need to know to encourage us, give us hope in these desperate days, but also to challenge us to be the best people we can be, the best children of God, for for you are. A good, good Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we've been going through our evangelism emphasis, pray so grow, I hope you have been both inspired and challenged to say or do something for Jesus every day to help others know about our Savior and His coming kingdom. Anything we can do to say or remind others of Jesus is a kingdom seed that we can sow. And that God could use to grow. Now, I hope you found courage and joy in sharing sharing the good news of Jesus with others. And Dads, the first place to sow those seeds is your family. Your family. The world is doing everything it can, Satan and the world system to pull your children away from faith in Jesus Christ. They need you. To plant the seeds of his kingdom every day. The very reason Jesus and his disciples gave Jesus gave his disciples a great commission was because he already had a plan to return when he left. And that's why the angels gave them that one promise when they were watching Jesus rise into heaven. He will return. Let's face it, when we look at the world situation around us, how much more evil it is becoming every day. It makes me want to say, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. When I see the desperation in people's faces, the sense of fear about tomorrow, it makes me want to say, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. When I hear the news of how our world could be plunged into war at any moment, it makes me want to say, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. The good news of the kingdom is that the situation in this world will not always remain this way. The evil we face every day will one day be removed. And that's why the return of Christ is so important. That with Him comes His kingdom rule over all the earth. It is that kingdom rule of Christ that will change everything. And this is our kingdom principle today. Would you read it with me today? Kingdom principle. The return of Christ with His kingdom will bring restoration and redemption. Yes, it will. It is one thing that Jesus has promised to return, but it is an even greater thing in the way He is returning and the reason He is returning. And that's what we see in our Scripture passages today. Remember, John's been called up to heaven, and he is seeing things that are going to happen from a heavenly perspective. and What he, what he sees in the beginning... A verse of chapter 19 is a celebration in heaven like no other, a celebration of the fulfillment of Christ's promise to return. Notice with me what the return of Christ means. First of all, the return of Christ with his kingdom means a restoration of a fallen creation. The return of Christ with His kingdom means the restoration of a fallen creation. Look at verses chapter 19, verses 1 through 4. After these things I heard a loud voice and a great multitude in heaven saying, "Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication. Who is that great harlot? It is the Antichrist. And he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Again, they said in heaven, Hallelujah! Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sat on the throne, saying, Amen! Hallelujah! 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 The first voice of praise in heaven, the first hallelujah, was for the judgment... That had been poured out on the Antichrist in his kingdom. The judgment that will be poured out in our future when Jesus comes. And they saw, John saw it, and heaven saw it as if it had already happened. Remember, John seeing something that's going to happen. And John says, the first hallelujah in heaven is that judgment has been poured out on the Antichrist in his kingdom. John heard them celebrating that the The kingdom of the Antichrist was on fire. Look at chapter 18 for just a moment, verses 1 through 3. This is the fall of his kingdom. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And the angel cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon, the great is fallen. Babylon, that's the code word for the kingdom of the Antichrist. Babylon has fallen, has fallen, has become the dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean and hated bird for all the nations. All the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. A celebration of worship arises in heaven at the fall of Babylon. The kingdom of the Antichrist. Make no mistake, the kingdom of the Antichrist on earth will be the most powerful kingdom that has ever been on earth. There, has, there have been great kingdoms throughout history. But no kingdom has ever controlled everything, the whole earth. America has been the greatest nation on earth, but America has not controlled the whole earth. America has great influence that is felt around the world. And that's what the Antichrist is going to have. He's going to have great influence over all other nations on earth. The difference is that when the Antichrist rises, empowered by Satan, he will not only have influence, but he will control the commerce of the world. And he will control the governments of the world and the militaries of the world. He will be a very wicked and powerful ruler. And the nations will give him their allegiance as if he had a spell over the nations of the earth. Well, that's exactly what happens empowered by Satan. Look at verse 9. The kingdoms, the kings of the earth who commit fornication and live luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. Come. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys her merchandise anymore. Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory. Every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron, marble, cinnamon, incense, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots. And would you look at the last verse. And the bodies and souls of men. Notice how the kingdom of the Antichrist will not only be exporting goods around the world, but he will be engaging in mass human trafficking. He will deal in the bodies and souls of men. Let's look on. Verse 14, chapter 18. The fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you, and all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you. And you shall find them no more at all. The merchants of these things who became rich by her will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing. For in one hour such great riches came to nothing. Every shipmaster, all who travel by ship, sailors, and as many as trade by, the, trade on the sea, stood at a distance... And cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What is like this great city? Again, his cargo will be on ships all around the world. After the rapture of the church, the Antichrist will rise to power quickly and decisively. He will offer salvation to the world at a moment in time when every single Christian has left. At the rapture, when the rapture takes place and Jesus comes for his church, every Christian will be transported off this earth, and there will be nothing left but unbelievers. And yet, even during his reign of terror and evil, there will be among those who are left, people who turn to faith in Jesus Christ. Many people will realize that they foolishly missed the rapture, and they will turn to Jesus Christ. It will be much more difficult then, because the Antichrist will be in control of the world, In fact, to refuse him and to follow Christ will bring extreme persecution and almost certain death. Still, there will be some who refuse to participate in his evil kingdom. And as he prepares to return, the Lord Jesus has a word for them. Look at verses 4 through 5 and verse 8. And I heard another voice from heaven, John Said, Saying, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Therefore her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judges her. Yes, he's the strongest. He's not only a good, good father. He is the almighty father. He is the strongest father in heaven John hears a celebration because of the destruction of this evil earthly kingdom the kingdom of the Antichrist must fall in order for the kingdom of Christ to be revealed on the earth so when Jesus comes there's going to be a complete destruction of the kingdom of the Antichrist and it is going to happen quickly verses 21 through 24 chapter 18 Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city of Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found any more. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, and trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman of any craft will be found in you anymore. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. The voice of the bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and saints and of all who were slain on the earth. This is a picture of the desolation that Christ the King of Kings will bring with him at his return. In one hour, the whole kingdom of the Antichrist is destroyed. Notice that the city is leveled. His capital city is leveled to the ground. No more sound of music, no more shopping, no more electricity. Every person who's in that city will perish. And in fact, not only will his capital be destroyed, his entire reign will be destroyed at the appearing of the great Lord Jesus Christ. Every kingdom on this earth will be replaced by the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the way it was created to be, folks. In the beginning, when the Lord Jesus created this world, he created it for his glory and his honor. Paul's create. Paul said creation was designed to worship the holy creator. Paul wrote in Colossians 1, he is the image of the invisible God, talking about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him for his glory. So what happened? We know what happened, don't we? Man's sinful disobedience happened. The perfect creation which Jesus created was corrupted by man and his failure to love his creator as he should. Friends, when, when we fail to honor God, when we fail to obey his word, our prob- the problem is our love for him. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my word and con- conversely if you don't love me you will not keep my word if you don't if you don't lo- if you don't keep my word you don't love me you remember the greatest commandment what was it jesus said that you love the lord with all your heart soul mind and strength because most people in the world do not love him and because many who call themselves christians do not love him with all their heart soul mind and strength The evil around us has grown greater and the darkness has gotten worse. And the kingdom of the Antichrist, because the whole world is dark, right? The whole world. The kingdom of the Antichrist is just around the corner. I believe he's alive today. I do. So, John said, Jesus did what only Jesus could do. He came to this world for His creation. He made a body for Himself, and the Word was made flesh, John said. He made a body for Himself. He lived a holy life, and then He died as a sacrifice on the cross for our sins, so that whosoever would believe in Him and repent of their sins and receive Him by faith would have eternal life and a place in His kingdom. Paul said, Colossians 1, 20, 22, And you who were once alienated and enemies from God... By your wicked works, yet now he has reconciled, brought to God in a relationship so he can be your father in the body of his flesh, Jesus' death, flesh through death on the cross, to present you, why did he do it? To present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. That's why Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood so that he might forgive us For all our sins and clothe us in his righteousness and when King Jesus returns he returns so he can present us his bride in his kingdom dressed in his righteousness chapter 19 verse 5 then a voice came from the throne saying praise our God all you his servants and those who fear him both small and great and I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude. That's the sound of many waters, and it's the sound of mighty thundering, saying, "Hallelujah! for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. The reason heaven is celebrating is because a wedding is getting ready to take place. The revelation of Jesus Christ is about a wedding It's about the union of Christ and his church. Folks, that's why the the Antichrist is called the great harlot. That's why his kingdom is one of fornication. Because the return of Christ is to bring his bride together. To bring his bride to him. But what did the Antichrist do? He took people away from Christ. He was like a prostitute that took people away from Christ. From the Lord Jesus Christ. And may I say that this system, this evil culture is doing that today. John said, there's already many antichrists in the world. Would you agree with that? A wedding's getting ready, John said. They sang, the marriage of this lamb has come. The revelation of Jesus Christ is about... The union of Christ and His church, the wedding of Christ and His bride. The entire purpose of Jesus' redemption plan is to bring together in one every person of faith who has ever lived, whether it was in the Old Testament or the New. It's always been faith that brought salvation. In the Old Testament, they looked forward to a Savior who was coming. In the New Testament, we look back to the cross of Jesus, our Savior. In heaven, they are all there the Old Testament saints, the New Testament saints. They're all there celebrating the official union of Christ Jesus and every believer. When we die, our spirits go to heaven. At the rapture, our glorified bodies join our spirits. The Lord comes in the clouds and we, our bodies in the ground, come out of the ground and join our spirits in a glorified form. This is a resurrection that is necessary for the kingdom. You see... When we return to earth with Jesus and take our positions in his kingdom, we need legs. Spirits don't have legs with which to walk. We need glorified bodies in order to live with Jesus on his earthly kingdom. So at the rapture, we who have died will receive glorified bodies. Those who are alive when he comes at the rapture will be instantly transformed into glorified bodies. Glorified bodies are bodies which cannot be hurt or killed. They are immortal, just like Jesus. But after the rapture, during the seven years of great tribulation, there will be those who resist the Antichrist and turn to Jesus. And many of those will be in Israel. When that happens, the Antichrist will try to kill them. He will kill many. Jesus said, those who, but those who endure to the end will be saved. Those who endure to the end of the great tribulation and are alive when Jesus comes will be part of the bride, the church. The souls of those who die during the great tribulation go into heaven, and they wait till the time when Jesus comes again, and then he makes, gives them their glorified body. So the revelation of Jesus is to unite all who ever have or ever will receive Christ as Savior. The church is not complete until the end of the great tribulation when the groom comes for his bride. And that's why John saw this celebration in heaven. After more, and today we know, after more than 2,000 years, the bride is now ready. The groom is now ready. And the home of the bride and the groom is just about to be ready. Perfect. See, cre- you see, creation is about restoration. That's what the coming of the Lord Jesus will mean it will mean that he is going to get a new home ready for his bride, the church. When we get to heaven, that's perfect. But Jesus is going to make this earth perfect. The home is going to be this earth, but it's not going to be the earth as we know it. Because all the evil's got to be got to be removed forever. The bride is arrayed in white, in purity, because she's been washed in the blood of the Lamb and cleansed forever. She is pure like her groom, like King Jesus. And King Jesus will not bring his bride to a filthy house. Just look at what's going on in our world today with all its gay pride and transgenderism and all this immorality that is happening. Just listen to the evil words that are spewing from man's mouth. Just look at the infidelity. Just look at the corruption. Just look at what they're doing to our children. Let me tell you, folks, this is all going to be removed when King Jesus brings his bride back to this earth. Before we step foot on earth, it's all going to be gone. Every bit of this evil is going to be destroyed, and every evildoer is going to be destroyed. The first time Jesus came, it was with... Humility. Paul said Jesus made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. The first time Jesus came, he did what was necessary to turn believers into his bride. He died on the cross for our sins. Paul said, for it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself... By Jesus, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. That's the restoration which is returning. The restoration of the peace that this world knew before sin tore men away from God. All of the perfect creation God made has suffered as a result of sin. All the natural disasters, all the imbalances in the animal kingdom, all the sickness, sorrow, and death as a result of man's sin, the perfect creation, the original plan of God will be restored when Jesus returns with his kingdom, and we'll look at that next week. Paul said in Romans 8, I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. The first time he came, Jesus died for us to save all who would believe in him. The next time he comes, he's coming to destroy, to purge, to clean house, so that this world will be restored to the way God intended for it in the beginning. This world, this earth, will be a perfect place. No sin, no corruption, no sickness, no death, only life and peace and joy the way God created it to be. And that's why there's celebration in heaven. Because after thousands and thousands of years, restoration is coming. The marriage of the Lamb is coming. Is coming and in Revelation 19 John said the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife the church is ready at that moment every person will who would be saved is saved at that moment there's no one else who could enter the kingdom now that moment the great tribulation is o- is over and only those who have endured for the name of Jesus will enter the kingdom and the truth is many of those are in Israel and that's the second thing we see the return of Christ with this kingdom not only means a restoration of a fallen creation, but it means the redemption of the foolish nation. Remember what we saw in Revelation 14, 144,000 Jews standing with Jesus on Mount Zion, 144,000 from the 12 tribes of Israel. Well, that's far different from what happened the first time Jesus came. At his first appearance when Jesus was born into the world to be the Messiah of the Jews, to be Israel's rightful king, the foolish nation of Israel rejected their Messiah and crucified him. They're still rejecting him, calling him a false prophet or a false Messiah, even though they forsook Jesus, though he never forsook them. Look what Paul said in Romans 11. I say then, as God cast away his people, Israel... I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not, but through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? For I do not desire, brothers, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. We're in the age of the Gentiles now. The Gentiles, we're taking salvation to the world. At the end, it will be Israel who takes it to the world. And then so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob for this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins, God said. Something we should never forget, folks, is that God never forgets his promises. God loves his nation, Israel. He called them his chosen people and they still are. To his friend Abraham, God promised that one of his descendants would be a blessing to all the nations. That's the promise that assured the Savior, the Messiah of Israel would come through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. On his deathbed, the Lord spoke through Jacob and said to his son, Judah, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. Jesus was born in the tribe of Judah, and in the revelation, he's called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. According to Jacob, the rightful heir to the throne of Israel is a king in the line of Ju- Judah. King David was in the Lion of Judah, and all his descendants were from the tribe of Judah. And after the last king of Israel, then the line stopped until Shiloh comes. Shiloh is code word for the Messiah, for Jesus. The Messiah will be in the line, would be in the line of Judah. He would rule not only over Israel, but over the world. To him, the people would be obedient. Jesus is that final king. He is the king of kings, the Son of God. Through the prophet Isaiah... The Lord gave a word about his kingdom. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's the government of the whole world. Of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over His kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Jesus was born in the line of King David. He was the rightful heir to the throne of Israel. The difference in Jesus' reign and all the other kings is that Jesus' reign is an eternal reign his kingdom is an eternal kingdom when jesus comes he will reign forever as king of kings and lord of lords from his throne in jerusalem it is then that all israel will be saved it is then that the nation of israel will be redeemed satan knows this that's why he is going to turn the antichrist against israel and use he the antichrist will use every bit of his power to destroy israel as we saw last week he will amass his forces in a 200-mile front through the valley of Megiddo to attack Israel and destroy her. Just imagine all the weapons of modern warfare. Tanks, planes, artillery, missiles aimed at one spot on earth. Nuclear weapons aimed at one spot on earth, Jerusalem. Just imagine it. Zechariah did. In that day, the Lord will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. The one who is feeble among them in that day will be like David. David dancing before the Lord and the house of David will be like God like the angel of the Lord before them in other words the house of David Jerusalem will not fall it will be in that day God said I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem and I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication he'll put a shield around them that cannot be penetrated and then that, that nation will look on him whom they have pierced they'll see him And they will mourn for him, as they realize how foolish they were to crucify their Messiah. They will mourn for him as for his only son, and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. In that day, there will be a great mourning in Jerusalem, like the mourning of at Hadad Remon in the plain of Megiddo. The battle of Armageddon leads to redemption for the nation of Israel, and on that day, in the most powerful, on that day, the most powerful man who's ever walked this earth, the Antichrist. Besides Jesus, will lead the nations of the world uh, to attack a little spot in the land called Jerusalem. When the city of peace, Yerushalom, when the city of peace is threatened to be annihilated, the Prince of Peace appears in the sky. High above Jerusalem, a king appears. A king riding on a white horse, crowned with many crowns, ready for battle. John said, Now I saw heaven open. Behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. And he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. The identity is clear. It's Jesus. Once he was crowned with thorns, but the next time he comes, he will be crowned with many crowns. He will rule over all the nations of the earth. His kingdom will encompass all kingdoms. Once Jesus humbled himself and died on the cross, But the next time He comes, every knee will bow to Him. Every leader will bow to Him. Every person will bow to Him. And He will rule over the entire earth in sovereign wisdom and power. The one whose word created the universe will speak destruction to the Antichrist and all who follow Him. It's no wonder that the blood will rise and flow through the valley of Megiddo because the destruction will be so great to the enemies of Christ and His people. Verse 14, And the armies of heaven clothed in fine linen white and clean followed him on white horses hallelujah folks that's us that's you and i and all saints from all ages all who have put their faith and trust in jesus will follow him notice that we will be clothed in white linen in robes of his righteousness he is no ordinary general he's the general of righteousness of holiness and his kingdom is a holy kingdom which will be will be filled by holy people i've never been to the holy land I'd love to go, but even if I do not go in this life, I know that I will see it one day when I come back with Jesus. The saints in heaven, which John heard giving praise and honor to Jesus, they ride back with Jesus on white horses. Now, riding horses is something I know I do very well, and I already know how to ride a white horse. I'm looking forward to coming back with Jesus. These form the army of the living Christ Revelation 19, now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written. What is it, folks? King of kings and Lord of lords. The first time Jesus came to earth, he spoke words of compassion and mercy and grace. But the next time he comes, his words will be with divine judgment and wrath and destruction. The final verses of chapter 19 describe the power that goes out from his word, the powerful destruction of this world and its evil system as it gives way to the kingdom reign of Jesus Christ. Verse 19, Then I saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried with a loud voice saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven come and gather yourselves together for the supper of the great god and what's for dinner that you may eat the flesh Of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and those who sit on them and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together around Jerusalem in the valley to make war against. They were gonna make war on Jerusalem, but now they see a new enemy. He's in the sky and the antichrist says, I know who he is. Turn it all on that spot. Turn all of your missiles that way. We've got to attack that rider on that white horse in the sky. And I saw him make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Fear not. Then the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image and these two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone and the rest the rest of his army and all those people who followed him and all those evil people on the earth the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse and all the birds were filled with their flesh. Near where my family has their horse farm, we often see the large black vultures or buzzards flying overhead, looking for the carcass of an animal which has died. And these are kind of ugly-looking birds, but they have a purpose. They actually clean up the death that they find. Can you imagine how horrible it's going to be at the Battle of Armageddon, when King Jesus has to destroy? More than 200 million people who are attacking the nation of Israel. All the armies of the world who have rejected Christ and are following Satan and Antichrist. They will all be killed and we won't have to lift a finger. Because when our Savior, the King of Kings, opens his mouth, I don't know what it's going to be, folks. Maybe it's lightning. Maybe it's a laser. Maybe it's energy, power of some kind. Maybe it's fire, but it leaves that, his mouth, and it goes, and can you see it? It destroys everything, everything, everything. I can see his mighty voice melting every one of those metal objects of war and destroying every person who uses them. There's never been a war like this war, but it's a necessary war because King Jesus has to destroy evil and all who practice it to make this world a fitting home for his bride and a kingdom for his people. In Matthew 24, Jesus gave us a picture of this day. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. When he opens his mouth, it is like an eruption of power as the sun goes dark and the moon goes dark and the sky shakes. Talk about about a disaster. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with great power and great glory. The King is coming, folks. The King is coming. He's coming as sure as you and I are alive today. When Jesus comes, I know I'm gonna be with him. I will not be left behind as so many will be. You know, listen, we know people who will be left behind, don't we? His promise to me is that if I, and to you, is, if, is that if we follow him in this life, he will never leave us or forsake us. And when he takes us home, we'll always be with him. You and I will be part of that celebration in heaven. You and I will be part of the bride that adorns we, when we are adorned in his robes of righteousness. You and I will be at the marriage supper. And you and I will return as one of his faithful armies of heaven. And then you and I will come to this earth and we'll walk on it again. But not the earth that we know now. A completely clean, pure, restored world. Hallelujah. Next week we're going to look at that kingdom. But for now, the question that... I would ask you is, whose side are you on? Are you one of those who will be in heaven praising King Jesus? Or are you going to be left behind to deal with the Antichrist? The greatest day in the history of the world and the greatest day in our lives is going to be the day that Jesus comes again. Amen? Some time ago, this is a long time ago, a mother was tucking her little girl in the bed when the little girl asked her mother, Mama, what was the greatest day of your life? And the mother thought for a moment and she said, Honey, I'm going to tell you the greatest day of my life. She said, As you know, because my father was a man who fought in the Civil War, I remember it as though it was just yesterday. My mother and I were sitting on the porch one warm day. My dad had fought in the war, and several months earlier we had gotten word that he had been killed in battle. I was playing with my kitten as my mother and I were sitting in the swing. Ever since mother lost father, she had missed him so much. But that day, we saw someone coming down the long, dusty road that ran in front of our small house. My mother said, oh, there's a man coming down the road. A moment later, she said to me, sweetheart, I declare that man favors your father. We thought he was dead. Uh, After a moment, she said... "'Darling, I think that is your father.' And at that, she burst from the porch, and she ran across the yard through the picket fence gate down the road toward the open arms of my father, and I was right behind my mother. And I jumped from my father's arm, as I often did as a little girl. He would swing me around, but all I found when I jumped was an empty coat sleeve. I saw the scars of battle on my daddy's face, and his body was bruised from the war. And he was missing an arm. My mother, still my mother said to me, Honey, just remember this. The greatest day in my life was when my daddy came home. Came home. Friends, I want to tell you something. The Lord Jesus is coming. And we've had great days. But the Lord Jesus is coming as King of Kings. And he's more than that. He's coming as our Heavenly Father. And he's a good father. He's the best father. And all that is getting ready to happen, all that he's going to do to destroy every ounce of evil on this earth is for the love of you because he loves you. That's why he's coming down the road. That's why he's coming home. And, and folks, when he comes, just listen, he's going to have some battle scars. That's right. He has all those crowns and robe and all of that on him, but he's going to have the print of the nails in his hands and his feet that are the symbols of love for you. Scars of love. And that's why, though we have good days, we have a lot of bad days, don't we? The greatest day is when King Jesus, our Father, comes again. The King is coming. Amen? Let's bow. So, Dad, I asked you before, I'm going to ask you again, what's going to happen to your family when Jesus returns? He's coming. Might be, before, might be while we're alive. I hope it is. Dad, are you ready to meet him? Well, what about your children? What are you going to do about it? If they're not ready, what are you doing about helping them find Jesus? The bottom line is this. When Jesus returns, folks, we're either going to be the faithful who followed Jesus or we're going to be food for the buzzards. How sad, Dad, is it going to be if you get to heaven and your family's left behind? How sad is that going to be for you? Have, are you showing them Jesus? Are you, real, are you doing what you can? Are you taking them to church? Are you teaching them to pray and thank God? Or are you too busy for all that? You've got other things to do. You're busy. You've got other things. You're teaching them all kinds of things. Are you teaching them to follow Jesus? Are you ready for the coming of Jesus? Is your family ready for the coming of Jesus? Have you been to the cross and have you found His forgiveness and eternal life? Or are you going to be left behind? Right now, Jesus is calling you this message was for you. The Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart and saying, You need to let me in. But you've got to get rid of those other things, those other evil things that are holding Him, keep holding you back. You've got to say, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. I repent of them. I don't want the devil to control my mouth and my thoughts and my actions. My life is not fit for you. And I ask you to forgive me for all my sins and come into my life and clean me up. I believe you died on the cross for me and rose from the dead. You gave everything for me. You shed your blood for me. I'm willing to give my life to you right now, Jesus. I want you to be my Savior and my Lord and my King. And I make a commitment today that I will leave everything else behind to follow Jesus. I'll follow you, Jesus, and I'll do everything I can to help the people I love most. Follow you too. Thank you, Jesus, for being my Savior. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ came into your life. And now you can follow him. As one of his children, he's your father. As his bride, he is united, united with you in a great love bond. But you've got to exercise that faith by living for Jesus and planting those seeds of his kingdom in the lives of others. While we're singing, I'll be at the front if you need to pray. I'll help you pray for anybody or anything. Maybe you want to be a part of our church family or be baptized or whatever you need. I can encourage you with that. Father in heaven, this has been a strong, long message, Lord, but it is the truth. It is the truth, and you're coming again. I pray that everyone who hears this message will be ready to meet you. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with us as we sing together, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the same.